Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, Kerry Parker, and we have the promised interview for you this week. Uh, sorry it took me so long to kind of get these set up, but, you know, with all the COVID stuff going on, things have been kind of crazy. So, uh, But we are very happy to bring back David Reese. He has been on the show multiple times before, originally as a member of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. He is now a writer for Malwarebytes, who, uh, that's a very prominent antivirus company, among other things. And so we brought him on today. I want to talk to him about all the scams and stuff going on with COVID-19 and the coronavirus and uh, you know, related to, you know, stimulus checks and playing on all the fears and anxiety that we've got going on right now. And obviously, as somebody who works at an antivirus software maker, he's got a lot of really great insights. But before we get into that, uh, just real quick, um, since we're not going to be doing a news show this week, there have been a lot of software bugs patched recently uh, in Microsoft Office, in Google Chrome, in iOS, etc., etc. There just seems to be a lot of things popping up. And the, the solution for all of them, by the way, is you just need to update. So, you know, I say this often, but you know, now is a really good time to make sure that you keep all your main pieces of software, your operating systems, which includes both your, your mobile phone and your computers and your tablets, all up to date. If you don't have them already set for auto-update, uh, look into the, you know, usually help about or you know, go into settings, look for software update, something like that. And just make sure that you're completely up to date on your, your really important software. All right, with that one little bit of a news tidbit, let's uh, let's get into our interview with David Reese. David Reese is a content writer from Malwarebytes. He's covering online privacy, cybersecurity, and the laws and the proposed legislation that regulate how data is stored, shared, and accessed. Uh, he previously worked for the EFF. Who, uh, we've had many of those folks on the, on the show. We love the EFF. Uh, where he wrote and analyzed policy for the NS about the NSA surveillance, encryption, cross-border data transfer, and he likes to say he is not and never will be a lawyer. Welcome back, David. Yo, yeah. Hey, Kerry. Thanks for having me again. It's great to be back. I think uh, I think this is your fourth appearance, which would make you <laughs> second only to uh, John Graham coming of Cloudflare, as, uh, as far as the record okay. goes. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so great to have you back on the show. Uh, thanks for doing this. And we've got a lot to talk about. And uh, of course, you know, COVID-19, the coronavirus stuff is on everybody's minds. It's kind of hard not to, you know, not to be thinking about it. But, you know, uh, as is always the case, never let, you know, let, never let a crisis go to waste. The bad guys are jumping on this. So, we've, you know, mm -hmm. what I'd like to talk about with you today is some of the you know, kind of the scams and things that are going on related to that that we need to watch out for. So, uh, but before we get started, why don't you, you've been on before, but why don't you remind us, you know, what kind of things that Malwarebytes does? Yeah, absolutely. So Malwarebytes, uh, we're a cybersecurity company and uh, we provide antivirus and, and anti-malware detection uh, solutions for consumers and businesses around the world. Um, the uh, the non-business speak of that is uh, we stop the bad guys, right? We stop cyber criminals, we stop scams online, we stop anything that's trying to take your money, uh, take your data, uh, anything that's trying to extort you uh, online. Um, again, whether that's coming through a web browser, if it's coming through uh, an email campaign, we're out there trying to detect it, trying to stop it before um, it even happens. Well, and that is obviously what we need right now because it's getting worse. Um, so tell us a little bit, you know, obviously when, when things like this are going on, one of the, the easiest things to prey on is people's fears and anxiety. So you know, kind of walk us through, you know, kind of some of the techniques or some of the, some of the ways in which the bad guys exploit, you know, such uh, anxious times. Yeah, it's a, something we see time and again online, right? Uh, threat actors uh, are looking to leverage confusion uh, and panic uh, mm. to get something malicious uh, onto your device or to, again, just uh, sort of extort you for money. 
the idea is pretty simple here, right? When, when we're going through something new, something scary, something unfamiliar, we look for information to help guide us. Uh, that's when cyber criminals come in and pose as legitimate sources saying, hey, you know, we're doctors, we're medical mm. professionals, we're experts, and here is this piece of information that will protect you. Sometimes it isn't even something as severe as a pandemic, right, which is what we're seeing right now. Um, in 2018, uh, hackers actually took advantage of the confusion surrounding the new data privacy law in the European mm -hmm. Union because uh, the GDPR, uh, as it is, it is uh, came with tons of emails from basically <laughs> yes. every company that you yes. had a relationship with. And it was an obvious moment, right? Everyone's getting a million emails from every single company. What an easy way to just sneak right in mm. and say, hey, we are company X. You need to read this privacy policy or you need to download this uh, PDF. And then, boom, that's how they get you. It's not it's not, you know, it's not what it's supposed to be. It could be malware. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't, unfortunately, I've seen some like, you know, some, some of them prey on your fear. Some of them also prey on like your your wanting wanting to give or maybe your helplessness. I know a lot of people are, you know, lucky enough to be able to work from home like like we can. Uh, they're thinking, you know, geez, that's not so bad for me, but I wish I could help others. And then they get these emails, you know, mm -hmm. with fake donations or, or, or something that appeal to our guilt maybe or, or even just our, you know, our sympathy. Uh, mm -hmm. Are you seeing those kind of things as well? We absolutely are, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, in what I think is, you know, definitely one of the most like scumbag techniques, right, is preying on the on the good, uh, on our desire to help. We recently found one uh, at Malwarebytes uh, campaign that um, it was an email that uh, came from like the nondescript quote Department of Health, right? That's mm. that's all it was. It, it didn't say where it was from, what country, <laughs> um, and it asked for donations to help medical professionals, uh, particularly you know for the coronavirus pandemic. There was a disguised link. Uh, it actually opened an application. And mm. right, that's, I can understand the maliciousness of scaring an individual, you know, taking advantage of their fear, but taking advantage of someone who wants to do good. Uh, look, they're both bad, but that, right. again, that latter one, I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, like a special place in hell, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, what, 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 well, let's walk through like at a high level, like what the various types of, of scams we're seeing right now, uh, you know, the different kind of ways, the techniques for, you know, uh, getting us to give them money or maybe to deliver malware, like what kind of ways are they coming at us? Yeah, yeah. So at Malwarebytes, we've seen a lot of uh, these attacks coming through emails, um, email campaigns. And what we're seeing a lot, again, is uh, people who are impersonating, uh, hackers who borrow the official imagery of the World mm -hmm. Health Organization. Uh, and they, you know, they place that imagery as like a banner in their email. And uh, they even take on a fabricated persona saying they're a doctor with the World Health Organization or a medical professional. And, and then they offer bogus information. And sometimes it's, it's like bizarre stuff that the, any scrutiny is going to like show that it doesn't work out. I saw one that was um, about diet tips to prevent coronavirus, oh right? That is not a way to prevent coronavirus. We, we know that. But uh, some other ones, kind of more seriously, that they're, they're emails that are promising information even about, about a cure, right? Mm -hmm. um, some that promise information about, hey, here's um, the outbreak in your country, or here is information about the origin of the coronavirus. Th these are just ways to uh, scare someone into, again, often clicking a link or, or downloading a malicious package onto their device. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of the other uh, some of the other things I've read about are like um, everyone's wanting their stimulus check, and so there's mm-hmm. a, you know, a lot of people wondering where the checks are, and so a lot of these. Uh, these scams are like, well, click here to find the status of your thing, or you mm-hmm. missed something, you forgot to do something, you're not going to get your check unless you do this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I saw a report of just that uh, in the Wall Street Journal, right? That um, actually moving away from email, but into uh, text messaging, um, there was a scam of uh, individuals who were posing as the IRS here in the United mm-hmm. States, sending a text message that claims to have information about you know, coronavirus relief payments. And, and, you know, it's not, it's a a link to either a malicious site or a malicious package that gets downloaded. What about how about phone scams, like regular old phone scams, or even gosh, even old snail mail stuff? Are we seeing that kind of stuff as well, or is it pretty much mostly text to message and uh, email? So I looked into this, and uh, according to the Federal Trade Commission, uh, phone scams are actually the most popular oh, really? uh, of of the COVID nineteen scams. That surprised me. My closeness is to the email scams and mm. some some websites, but uh, according to Federal Trade Commission. Phone scams are, are the most popular right now, and also COVID-19 scams uh, entirely uh, have grown tremendously. Uh, the agency recorded more than 28,000 coronavirus-related oh, wow. scam complaints, yeah, as of April 28th. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that, that could be an issue uh, when there's something going on like this is misinformation. And for a lot of people, you know, in the age of... Uh, Facebook and social media where people just kind of immediately forward the first thing they get that sounds interesting and it just spreads mm-hmm. like wildfire. And, you know, those are people that maybe are kind of naive or maybe they didn't do their homework and just forward it blindly. But I'm sure there are also, you know, malicious misinformation campaigns. Um, tell mm-hmm. us a little about, if anything, or what kind of things you're seeing along those lines. Yeah, I would, I personally would classify some of the things that we've seen online as, as malicious misinformation, right? Um, promises of a cure, uh, promises of a vaccine, or things like the diet tips, right? Mm. Um, these are things that are fake. They are false. They are actual false, incorrect, not real. <laughs> like, mm. not you know, not the way that uh, words like fake news have been used recently, but <laughs> just just incorrect and wrong. And yeah, that's that's misinformation. That is weaponized misinformation to get someone to do something that they wouldn't otherwise do. Uh, as to you know the spreading, you know, of some of this misinformation. Um, not through malicious uh, intent, but, you know, just kind of naively. Um, I've seen it personally, like uh, not through Malwarebytes. Uh, I've, I've had things shared with me from uh, family, um, from people out of states. And yeah. uh, just my immediate thing, you know, warning bells go off. And, and the best thing th- that I considered to do at the time was just, hey, look up, look up that exact language online. See if it's been written about. Um, because lo and behold, it had been. And, and yeah. it was a scam. Yeah, me too. I've had the same thing happen, and I did the exact the exact same thing. And I love to lean on Snopes.com. They've, they're usually mm-hmm. really good for that kind of stuff. And you can search on some key some key text, sometimes just the subject of the email, sometimes some key sentence in the thing, and invariable to come up. And they do such a good job of debunking a lot of that stuff and walking oh, yeah. through. Yeah, so I yeah, I love Snopes.com. Mm-hmm. So for the for the malicious misinformation stuff, obviously it's a lot of the stuff we talked about before would be, you know, the the ultimate goal is money. Either even with malware, the ultimate goal is somehow either to extort you or to get information about you that would lead them eventually to money. But for like the misinformation mm-hmm. campaigns, especially the malicious one you talk about, like what would be the end goal there? Is it just to sow chaos? Is it individuals? Is it nation states? I'm gonna be honest with you on that one, Carrie. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. um that one I, I've seen misinformation used primarily, again, as as something to get someone 
to hand over money mm. or to, again, uh, unintentionally install a malicious package that could maybe steal information from them, steal data, which then in turn, again, gets used for extortion, right? right. Um, that's, that's what I've seen. And uh, I haven't seen a, a way to separate, you know, the malicious information as a, as a vector mm. from, you know, what, what all of these things are trying to do, which is extort. Sure. Okay. So let's, let's get into a little bit of the, um, uh, the technical aspects, just a, just a bit at the high level. So mm -hmm. like walk us through like mm -hmm. the types of, like what types of malware are we seeing um, and, and how, and how do they work? Yeah, absolutely. So we've encountered quite a few. Uh, well, we should, we're Malwarebytes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have names to them as well. So let's just kind of go through them. We, we spotted um, one recently called uh, Ave Maria, which uh, has taken an uptick recently. And uh, Ave Maria is a remote access Trojan. Basically, if successfully implemented, it allows a hacker to gain remote control capabilities of, of your system. Mm. Um, that, that means someone could like steal your passwords. They could download your information. Uh, they could even control your webcam. It's, mm -hmm. it's really bad stuff. Uh, another dangerous malware that uh, we've seen with an uptick is one called Azerolt. It can not only swipe your information from your machine, but it can also serve as a, sort of a first step to downloading more separate mm -hmm. malware onto your machine. It's, it's a two-step process, basically. Uh, and then we've seen some others with names like, uh, we've got LokiBot, we've got uh, Netwired RC, and, and both of those, they provide key logging features, uh, meaning that what you type is revealed to a hacker, which, again, in turn, could, with a little bit of work, be revealing your passwords uh, that reveal, that lets someone gain access to your accounts. Um, there's a little bit of everything out there, um, and they these things suck. <laughs> like, yeah, right. You don't want them on your computer. How about uh, how about ransomware? Has that been? I mean, that's been on the uptick for the last couple of years, just in general. I assume that that this yeah. this uh, situation is no different. Yeah, um, ransomware. You are absolutely correct. It has been on an uptick in recent years, and particularly what I think is pretty scummy again here is that uh, about last month. We saw a couple of ransomware groups say that they would not attack healthcare systems. Um, <laughs> some weird sort of, I, I don't know, it's not even honor among thieves. <laughs> it's, it's the honor of the thieves, right? Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to explain it. I think within two weeks of that statement, there was a, there was a group that ran one called Maze, I believe, that, mm -hmm. that attacked the healthcare system uh, with ransomware. And so it's like, I... I why are you going to attack a healthcare system? Let's just uh, like let's yeah. let's pump the brakes, okay? Let's think of um, let's think of something a little bit bigger than getting what a couple thousand dollars from each infected victim. Like that's it. Wow. <laughs> oh man. So uh, so you guys are obviously um, that's malware bytes collecting all sorts of data and stuff about this and plotting this out. Like what are like just give us a sense for like what some of the raw numbers like like what does a normal malware campaign look like and then what does it look like in the last couple months with with is it has it gone up or is it just a new flavor of uh, a new way to do it? Yeah, it's a great question. So the ones I mentioned above, um, Ave Maria, Azerol, uh, LokiBot, Netwire, uh, all of these we have seen upticks, and some of those upticks have differed from let's say you know forty percent to even about one hundred and sixty percent. Oh wow. Um, it's yeah, it's it, there has been an uptick, you know, of COVID nineteen based scams. Um, but what's interesting is that we're still trying to parse out whether overall volumetrically attacks have gone up or 
if a tax have merely shifted from business to consumer, mm-hmm. um, right? There's this understanding that you know, with so many people now working from home, the target is no longer so much you know a business, but maybe a person working at home, maybe a work device that's situated mm-hmm. on a home network. So again, we're we're trying to figure that out. Uh, but but yes, there's there has been an, uh, an increase in you know the the COVID nineteen scams themselves. Um, as to again overall. There's some ideas that it, it might just be a shift. Uh, well, one of the things I read in one of your recent articles that I thought was interesting is that there's been uh, there was a graph. I don't know if it was your guys or if it was maybe David Krebs, but somebody had somebody had a graph that showed mm-hmm. like the the spike in registered domain names that contained some either coronavirus or COVID nineteen or something around that. Like another and the number of shady websites that have been uh, created uh, in a short period of time. Tell us, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that phenomenon. Yeah, that was fascinating. And, and you're right. Yeah, Someone online built a tool that scoured the web and listed in real time uh, whenever a new domain was registered that included words like COVID, COVID-19, uh, coronavirus. Uh, the idea was that uh, any rapidly created domain uh, with those types of words in the URL was maybe made by scammers, right? Mm. It's, it's folks who want to appear legitimate but are really just making basically a, a digital storefront to trick users into giving over their info or, again, downloading something malicious. Um, that tracker sprouted up on March 14th, and in just 24 hours, it found 3,600 websites that matched that search criteria. Oh, right? my God. That's a lot of websites. That is a lot all, of websites. All focused on coronavirus. And, you know, were, were all of them malicious? Uh, I would, of course not. We, we, we can't say, um, particularly because March 14th, you know, that was sort of the ramp up of people, I think, really taking it seriously. And I believe it's when we here in the Bay Area, uh, we got our, our shelter in place. So, yeah, maybe maybe there were some some legitimate ones. But uh, another firm, Risk IQ, built a similar you know domain searching tool. And in its first weekend, it recorded more than 36,000 oh sites. <laughs> so... Clearly, wow. something is amiss. <laughs> no kidding. Oh my god, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right. So you know, while obviously in the world of cybersecurity, attribution is one of the most difficult tasks. So, you know, to actually mm-hmm. pin down who did something, you know, even for our, you know, even for our intelligence agencies, can be very difficult to do with any kind of guarantee of of accuracy. But you know, with that as a caveat. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have any sense for you know where a lot of this stuff is coming from? Is it is it is it nation state actors? Is it just is it groups of hackers, like known groups of hackers? Is it just individuals or, or do we just not know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, it, attribution is a, a far more difficult than than I understood, you know, until I joined Malwarebytes. But um, surprisingly, you know, our threat intelligence team, they do what I think is amazing work and they have been able to uh, find out which groups are responsible for which campaigns uh, based on their attack vectors, right? So in short, uh, we actually found threat groups all over the world. It's an equal opportunity here for folks. Uh, for starters, we attributed some phishing scams that we found in March to a group in North Korea uh, called Kimsuki. Uh, we attributed another phishing campaign to uh, Gamaradon. It's a Russian advanced persistent threat group. It's got a history of targeting Ukrainian military forces, actually. And then we found, a yet again, another phishing campaign. Phishing campaigns are very popular right now. Um, <laughs> 
targeting Chinese organizations, uh, we attributed that to a group called Patchwork. Um, and Patchwork is a reportedly Indian threat actor, and they've been active since 2013. Um, so there's actually, we actually found quite a few. And yes, there's a, there's a split. There's, again, these what we call advanced persistent threat groups, and some of it is is nation state. What actually blew me away, and I forget who I was talking to or interviewing about this, but they were talking about, I mean, it's gotten to be such a business now online that there's actually like, there's almost like brokers or middlemen. Like you can, there's, there's ransomware as a service. Like you can, you can go to certain <laughs> providers and say, I want to make this much money or I'm going to give you this much in return because, because I want you to have this much return. It's like advertising, but I want to, I want to harm people. Like I, let me hit 10,000 people and give me, you know, or whatever. And you can actually buy into these things and they don't care what you're doing. They like they do it on your behalf, but they're just a business. They're a service. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought that was a good way to put it, is ransomware as a service. And yeah, that that's uh, unfortunately what it's become. All right. Um, so you mentioned a couple of these things, and I, there was one that was in the article that was very interesting that you talked about the WHO example. So mm -hmm. um, like, t pick a couple of these that you've seen and, and like kind of, and I know this is an audio show, but, you know, kind of mm -hmm. like talk us about, you know, what you would see like in one of these example phishing emails, what do they look like? And then uh, some of the ones you've actually seen, and then maybe as we're going, give us some tips like this should have tipped you off, or this this is fishy, or or this is why you should not believe this is true. Yeah, a hundred percent. So yeah, let's let's look at one that we found that relies again on impersonation of the World Health Organization. Uh, in mid March, we found this scam. Uh, a hacker sent some emails, included a, a bunch of signage from the WHO, used their logo, used their name, used a World Health Organization as the supposed sender, mm -hmm. right? Um, and inside, they offered a so-called ebook on research into the origins of coronavirus. But reading through the email, uh, you could spot some problems. For, for one, the word coronavirus had a hyphen between corona and virus. Uh, we've never written it that way, right? Mm. We don't write it that way. Uh, there were also some basic grammar errors, just weirdly constructed sentences like, you are now receiving this email because your life count as everyone lives count, right? <laughs> just <laughs> things not adding up. Mm -hmm. um, other emails, also from WHO impersonators, would include strange spelling errors. Uh, we found one where the letter H, and I don't know why this, is, why this was, the letter H was swapped out for an equals sign on, on every H. Um, huh. I don't know how that happens. I don't know what... What is wrong with right. a person, like a like a machine's word processing for that to occur? But, you know, these happen. Um, we see some other uh, problems where we see emails coming from people who just don't exist. Uh, that requires a little more scrutiny. But sometimes hackers want to try and, uh, I'll say, over-legitimize themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, so they not only say, you know, what their profession is, but they give like a phone number, right? So it'll be like, you know, I'm Dr. Sarah Bruno from the WHO. And and we got that. We, we saw that one. Um, and then if you just look up, right, Dr. Sarah Bruno with WHO, and, and you look at their supposed actual title, that person doesn't exist. Like, that's that's it. They also offer phone numbers, which sometimes don't relate to any country that I know of. You know, a weird number of digits, you know, something any between like five and 11 digits. And I actually, you know, for writing some of the pieces, I, I dialed them in and they just don't go anywhere. <laughs> um, so there's, again, a, a litany of things that can 
kind of uh, raise red flags for readers. And, and some of the most basic ones are, are just spelling and grammar errors, right? You don't have to do intense work. You don't have to call the phone number. You don't have to look on Google to see if there's a Dr. Sarah Bruno. You just have to see if they're mixing up their spellings. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, these big organizations have people that like review this stuff. I mean, you know, if they're, right, if they're World, right. you know, World Health Organization or CDC, you know, they're not, they're not going to let kind of that stuff slide. So yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. Um, for when it comes to like IRS stuff, too, the other thing I've often seen is, you know, if it's if it's somebody you have a relationship with, a bank or a financial institution or the IRS or the government in any kind of way, you know, when they say dear valued customer or you know mm -hmm. dear whoever, you know, without they know your name, right? So if, right. you know, so if they, <laughs> they don't even bother to know, you know to put your real name in the email, that's usually a tip too. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so uh, now that we've kind of you know dissected some of that stuff, so we need to talk about. You know, what we can do is not to avoid being victims here. And, and cybersecurity, it's often what you don't do that's more important than what you actually do. So mm -hmm. uh, let's start with, like, what not to do. Like, what sort of behavior should we avoid to reduce our chances of being affected? Yeah, absolutely. So do not click on links or download attachments from unknown senders um, or from senders who you think have no business uh, reaching out to you, right? Uh, I think... A lot of people could say in their jobs, they're going to get an email from someone they've never spoken to before. That happens. Mm. That's that's normal, actually. Um, but there's no reason for, I think, the common person to get uh, an email from something like a federal agency or, you know, a so-called Department of Health that can't even say what country it's from, just out of the blue, right? That, that doesn't really happen too much to us. And again, the links in there, the attachments in there, uh, I can tell you right now, I, I would only download an attachment if it's coming from someone who is at my work, right? Mm. That's, that's it. So, you know, kind of broadly there, don't click on links, don't download attachments from unknown senders, and also uh, don't click on links in uh, text messages that you're getting from mm. unknown senders. Mm. I think it's pretty important. It's, it's also pretty hard to remember, but I think once you get into the routine of it, you start doing it. And as a good example, we've all been ordering a lot of things online right now. Yeah. Um, and I got a text from FedEx that said, hey, here's an update on your, you know, your shipment. I didn't click it. Uh, I just, I didn't. I, I absolutely had a package coming. I, it absolutely was FedEx, but I was like, nope, I'm not going to do it. I went online. I saw if they doubled up with an email. They did. That led me to believe that, okay, it was legitimate. Mm. Um, but that text message, I just didn't, I didn't click it and I still wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and I'm really glad you brought up uh, smartphones too, because it's, so, it's, it's easy when we're talking about this stuff to kind of focus on computers. But I mean, most, for a lot of people today, their internet access is through a mobile device or, you know, smartphone. So, mm -hmm. and text messages, yeah, um, I, yeah, I've gotten my fair, those, uh, fair share of those too. And I don't know, maybe, mm -hmm. they, I don't, maybe it's just because it's a different device, we don't give it the same thought before, uh, you know, clicking on that link if it come, when it comes to test messages, if we might have come from email. I don't know. But yeah, that's a great right. point. I'm glad you brought that up. So, all right. So that's, those are things we should avoid doing. So what do we, what, what do we actively do? What kind of active measures can we, could we take to protect ourselves here? Yeah. So again, on, on the messages that are coming in, do scrutinize your messages, do scrutinize your emails, right? Are they coming from someone you trust? You know, are they spelled with a modicum of understanding mm. <laughs> of the language that you operate in. Are they including attachments that you didn't ask for, that you have no reason to download? So again, just keep 
reading closely, scrutinizing. Don't just click the first thing that comes up on your screen in an email or a text message. Uh, another thing is uh, is do download an antivirus solution, right? Uh, clearly here, uh, we think we're pretty good at this. Right. Um, Malwarebytes thinks it's pretty good. We also have uh, we have a free scanner, right? You do not have to pay for Malwarebytes' free uh, scanning and removal. Uh, mm. We just provide that for free. We have a premium option that prevents you from accidentally downloading a malicious link. So, you know, let's say... I do click that link. Maybe, you know, it happens. Mistakes happen. Uh, Malwarebytes Premium is there to stop you from making that mistake. To be like, oh, oh no, no, no. This is bad. This is malicious. You don't want to do this. Right. Um, and then uh, on the same note of, of technical solutions, uh, do update your software. Always update your software. Um, look, when there are software updates, that means that there are problems with the right. software that we know about. <laughs> right, right. That is a potential opportunity for hackers and cyber criminals to take advantage of that. Uh, so you're going to you're gonna want to update your software always, always, always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, patch early, patch often. Mm-hmm. Back, you mentioned also, um, you know, some of the, you get some of the links or whatever from these places and you, how you double check the FedEx one uh, in a similar kind of vein. The other thing is uh, I've heard is what, you know, if you get something from what looks like a reputable site and you, maybe you're worried that it might be real or maybe not, is mm-hmm. instead of clicking the link, just go directly to the actual site, like, you know, yeah. IRS, CDC, WHO, or, or, or you know, whatever they claim yeah. to be from, right? And then just don't click their link, just go directly yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that way you hopefully you're, you know, bypassing any nefarious links. Right, absolutely. Um, in the same vein, really quickly here, you know, let's say uh, you get something from a sender that's telling you to go to a different website, right, uh, which, which happens sometimes. Go to go to trusted sites. Go to hmm. information sources that you trust and know. So go, like you said, immediately, like actually to the WHO, to the CDC. Um, rely on vetted sources here. Right. So as you said, you know, we all make mistakes. So, you know, maybe you maybe you did click on that link. Maybe you did download that document and open it up, and now you're kind of worried. So, how would someone know if they've been infected by malware? And you know, if we do believe we've been infected, what should we do about it? Yeah, I uh, I love discussing the signs of, you know, a malware infection because I think they're actually just as easy to spot as the signs of a email scam, right? They're, they're pretty obvious and, and I think just intuitively we can be like, hmm, something's up here. Well, in part one of our interview with David Reese, you'll have to tune in next week to get his advice on how to tell if your computer has been infected. He goes through really a, quite a good list of things that you can check on, things that would stick out that you know would make you realize that maybe something has gone awry. And of course, we'll talk more about what you could do about those things. And also in part two next week, we're going to talk about the privacy aspects of these scams and some of the solutions that our governments have been proposing. I've mentioned some of those in the contact tracing and whatever, but uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that you know, our governments and corporations are going to suggest that we change to combat the virus and try to, you know, eradicate it or at least get us back to some sense of normalcy. So we're going to have to be very vigilant and be careful and review critically the kind of things that are going to be uh, proposed. So we're going to talk about some of that next week as well. I love having David on the show. He's always a lot of fun and so interesting. He's, he's bringing some really good materials. So tune in for sure for part two next week. Uh, Before we go this week, I'd like to make a a plea to the audience. If you have not done this yet, 
uh, and you do like the content and you like what you hear, please go to uh, iTunes and leave a nice review for the podcast. It really is a big help. Uh, hopefully it won't take more than, you know, more than a minute of your time to do. The more reviews I have, and, you know, they need to be current ones too. So even there have been some in the past, you know, I really need to get some, some more current ones as well. It really helps it stand out and get noticed. And of course, word of mouth is great. You know, posting this on your social media or sharing it with your friends would also be very, very much appreciated. And finally, once again, I'm working on a fourth edition of the book. And if you would like to get some behind the scenes insights into how the writing of that goes, and perhaps even give me some direct feedback on things you might like to see in the book, uh, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And if you look for Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons, and you sign up for the right level there, uh, you'll be getting, I'm, I'm sending out maybe every two to three weeks as I kind of write, as I'm writing the book and updating the book for the fourth edition. Uh, and you'll kind of get some behind the scenes insights into, you know, how this whole process works. All the things that actually go into writing this book, there's 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 quite a few things that go into it. Uh, and again, you know, you have the opportunity at that point, you know, to give me some more, maybe just some more direct feedback and have some direct input on what I'm going to have in the fourth edition. All right, that's going to do it this week. Tune in, of course, next week for part two of our wonderful interview with David Reese. And to make sure you don't miss anything, subscribe if you have not already. And as always, stay safe, stay home, stay healthy. And until next week, don't get caught with your drawbridge down.